Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 28 from the World English Bible. When we had escaped, then they learned that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us uncommon kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us all, because of the present rain and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped from the sea, yet justice has not allowed to live. However, he shook off the creature into the fire and wasn't harmed. But they expected that he would have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But when they watched for a long time and saw nothing bad happen to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and courteously entertained us for three days. The father of Publius lay sick of fever and dysentery. Paul entered into him, prayed, and laying his hands on him, healed him. Then when this was done, the rest also who had diseases in the island came and were cured. They also honored us with many honors, and when we sailed, they put on board the things that we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the island, whose sign was the Twin Brothers. Touching at Syracuse, we stayed there three days. From there, we circled around and arrived at Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Petioli, where we found brothers and were entreated to stay with them for seven days. So we came to Rome. From there, the brothers, when they heard of us, came to meet us as far as the market of Appius and the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered into Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, Paul called together those who were the leaders of the Jews. When they had come together, he said to them, I, brothers, though I had done nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers, still was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, desired to set me free, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was constrained to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything about which to accuse my nation. For this cause, therefore, I asked to see you and to speak with you, for because of the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. They said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor did any of the brothers come here and report or speak any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For as concerning this sect, it is known to us that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed him a day, many people came to him at his lodging. He explained to them, 
testifying about God's kingdom and persuading them concerning Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets, from morning until evening. Some believed the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. When they didn't agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had spoken one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, In hearing you will hear, but will in no way understand. In seeing you will see, but will in no way perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and would turn again. Then I would heal them. Be it known, therefore, to you that the salvation of God is sent to the nations, and they will listen. When he had said these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house and received all who were coming to him, preaching God's kingdom and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. That is the end of chapter 28 and the end of the book of Acts. The ending of the book of Acts, as we call it, always leaves me feeling like there should have been a sequel. But maybe that's the revelation of Jesus Christ that that we call the book of Revelations. Anyway, chapter 28 here does give us the conclusion of the shipwreck, at least. They escape, as is reiterated, and also made clear by the telling of events that occur on the island. There is a funny word study that came up from cross-references that I found in my New King James Reference Bible in verse 2. The World English Bible edition that I read from uses the word natives, that is the word that it uses to translate this particular word. In other translations of the Bible, this is translated as foreigners and even barbarian. Now, the word barbarian itself has a basic meaning of one who speaks a foreign or different language. The word barbarian actually is a transliteration of the Greek word that means that, that actually uses this repetitive sound of barbar, because when listening to a foreign language, often it just sounds like garbled repetition. Sometimes the word barbarian has taken on connotations of rudeness. This might be because often a language you don't know sounds harsh and rude, but it could also just be the basic fact that there's usually fighting between tribes, and it is human nature to demonize the enemy. But particularly regarding the word that is translated barbarian in English, Strong's says that the etymology of the Greek word is uncertain. Vines says the word itself is mimicking the unknown language that sounded repetitive, hence the barbar. It was also mentioned that in the Egyptian language, there is a similar word, berber, that also means the same thing. So it has come to be that barbarian in our current usage has come to be synonymous with ignorant, but in New Testament writings, it was used unreproachfully, as one source said it, or simply meaning a non-Greek speaker. So Paul himself uses this Greek word in Romans 1.14, in 1 Corinthians 14.11, and Colossians 3.11. In Romans 1.14, it is simply being used as a classifier of people groups. You have those who are Greek and those who are not Greek or who are barbarians. In 1 Corinthians 14.11, it's used to describe 
someone speaking unintelligibly. And then in Colossians 3.11, it is used to say that these distinctions do not matter in Christ. The main point for me was to be reminded about assuming the intentions of words without doing a little investigation. Also in verse 2, we learn that it was still raining. And notice the natives, they're spoken of as a group, are being kind even though they aren't believers. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the unsaved are always and continually bad. Just like a person who loses his temper and yells at or hurts someone is not always someone who is mad and mean. But even if a person is not bad or mean or wrong all the time, everyone has done it sometimes, and that is sin, and someone has to suffer for that sin. Now, the whole incident with the viper is centered on how the natives perceived it. But first, notice Paul is also pitching in to help. This is much in line with his attitude toward providing for himself and his group via tent making. When it talks about the snake, the viper, fastened on his hand, along with the expectations of the natives, it indicates that he was actually bitten, not that it was just wrapped around his wrist. The story reminds me of our trip, my husband and my trip to Zambia a few years ago, when we participated in a gathering of Christians, several of them got up to give thanks they were not bitten by a snake. There were several kinds of deadly snakes around um, in the group that was visiting with us. They had an interaction of sorts with a cobra on the lawn. Nobody was hurt. In another place, we went to dinner right before we got there. Um, the man at the door had killed a viper, but the most feared was the black mamba because a victim would be dead within 20 minutes after being bitten. So this account is not far-fetched. Then in chapter 28 here, they end up thinking that Paul is a god. Not the first time that this has happened to him. Now, Luke apparently thinks Paul's previous responses have sufficiently established that Paul would not accept this acclamation. So Luke doesn't go into it here. Instead, he gives another summary of healing miracles through Paul. And it doesn't mention specifically anyone believing on the name of Jesus Christ, but they did honor them and provide for them when they left. And so it gives me some hope that some of them believed. Verse 11 indicates they were there for three months, but then they finally head towards Rome again. And very specific details are given again about the travel arrangements, including getting to visit with some Christians in a place called, and I know I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm going to try it, Putioli. The notes in the blueletterbible.org explain that this is a city of Campania, which was a region of Italy, and it was on the Bay of Naples. This city is known now as Pozzuoli in Italian. The other name, Putioli, was the Latin version. So Putioli apparently means mineral or sulfur springs, and it was a major port at that time. Apparently, the coast along Italy meant that there wasn't a better port for getting to Rome. So they probably went on land from there, covering approximately 142 miles on land along the ordinary route of that day. And you can look that up on BibleAtlas.org. In verse 15, it sounds like Christians from Rome came out to meet Paul. Cross-references with Acts 2 verse 10 list people 
of Rome as among those who were there listening on the day of Pentecost. So the gospel had probably made it to Rome fairly early, and as you can see by people coming out to visit him, even though he had never been there, there were Christians. Now, David Gusick's commentary quotes somebody else that says that the places listed mean that these people came out about 43 miles to meet Paul. So this was a big deal. They didn't just like pop outside of the gate. Also, some notes from the Blue Letter Bible timeline of Paul's life make the scriptural case based on cross-references that Paul wrote to the Romans while in Corinth in AD 56. And just to summarize, you can look this up and see what you think of it, but they say because he mentions three key people who were from Corinth, that that is probably where he wrote from. And I'll put a link to that on the blog post. What that means for this discussion is that what is happening in Acts 28 is four years after he sent that letter, because it is around AD 60, which can be verified in other ways. There is no indication that he had met these people before. On a side note, Priscilla and Aquila had left Rome in Acts 18.2, which would have been AD 49 when the Jews were expelled, but are apparently back there seven years later when the letter is written, as Paul mentions them having a church in their home. It doesn't mention them specifically here in AD 60, though. In verse 16, we see Paul gets to have his own house, and he doesn't call the Jewish leaders until after three days. He explains his situation, and we find out that the previously troublesome Jews have not reached this far. They haven't traveled this far, and they haven't even sent letters. But the Jews, the leaders of the Jews in Rome, have heard of this sect, which makes sense because some people who followed the sect were right there in Rome. So these Jews are not among the believing yet, though some will be persuaded per verse 24. And again, from Moses and the prophets, Paul is working on persuading them all day. After those in the group have basically made a decision about how they're going to respond to what he says at this point, Paul speaks a verdict regarding the disbelieving, and he quotes from Isaiah to them. And this is Isaiah chapter 6, verses beginning with verse 9. And he again declares that he will now preach to the Gentiles. So he says some pretty severe things to them there when describing their attitude and what's going to happen to them. When he quotes Isaiah, this starts an argument among the Jewish leaders, so that also gives the indication that not all of them disagreed with him. Finally, in verse 30, we learn that the house he had, he rented himself, and he was there two years, and he would preach and teach to all who came, and he did it with confidence and without interference. That is all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 